Hello, I'm Gemma Davies, and I'm the Community Manager here at Future of SaaS. Welcome to SaaScast, the podcast that talks you through the steps you need to future-proof your product, whether that's building the ultimate SaaS marketing team or taking your products global. Our guests will help you grow, scale up, and work smarter. So today, we're joined by Amir Javandi, who's Head of Growth at Papercup. Papercup is a machine learning startup that translates videos by generating voices that sound like the original speaker. So Amir will be giving us his insights on the role of growth in a SaaS business. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me, Gemma. So we're going to just start straight in um, with, can you tell us about yourself and your role at Papercup? Sure. Um, My life story in 30 seconds. Um, I graduated doing computer science about 10 years ago. I realized that either hardware or coding side of it wasn't for me. I was really interested in the human computer interaction, the kind of psychology of um, what happens around the UX more than anything else. Mm. And then after I came out of uni, just like everyone else, I didn't know what I wanted to do. Uh, so I got into recruitment, as you do. Um, hated it, sold my soul. I realized that I'm terrible at sales. Um, then I joined a BDR as a BDR to a tech company providing um infrastructure to financial services as a bdo it was a hybrid sales marketing role uh, because you have to generate your own leads again i was terrible at the sales side i was good at the lead gen side to a degree um so i asked my boss to give me a shot as we didn't have a marketing function it was a very small company um i did a trial it worked out well i was there for three years looking after the uk then emea then us and that kind of set me off and since then fast forward into today i've been predominantly working within um, B2B SaaS or tech startup or scale-ups and that's been my forte um, over time it's fluctuated around a holistic kind of role to lead gen and growth positions um, however as we talk about today I'm sure we'll delve into how wide spanning growth can be so it's not just about lead gen yeah. and at Papercup um, I joined I believe it was in July last year so relatively relatively new hasn't been in a year yet and here because it's again such a young organization I wear multiple hats and my role is something of growth we haven't decided what yet either head of BP or wherever it may be um, which includes segmentation understanding our market finding scalable ways to grow within them um, and doubling down and what the company does in essence you, you touched on it earlier we've developed an AI that automates video translation by creating synthetic voices that sound like the original speaker. So we work with media companies to very large YouTubers to big tech companies that produce a lot of videos and many, many others. All sounds great and um, quite varied past there. So I'm sure we'll get into that as we talk a little bit more. Um, So what's your approach to growth at Papercup? Obviously you sort of touched on it there, but if you can give us a bit more detail. At Papercup, because we are such a young stage, uh, we have one or two tracks of, or one or two segments, should I say, that we know are relatively proven and there is a good product market fit, should we say. Um, However, we understand the world of video creation and content creation and the need to localize it is actually much bigger than where we've had success to date. So my approach to growth at Papercup so far has been working very closely with the rest of the teams, be it from my CEO to the product teams to identify and map out different segments, which we believe we can gain some traction in. Um, We don't expect to have traction with all of them, but exploring them as quickly as possible in the most efficient way as possible 
measuring success in the right way and seeing if it's something we want to double down on or not has been predominantly my approach so far. Um, and on a tactical basis, it's always been two prong. Um, one of them is these quicker experiments, trying to understand if we have traction within these segments. And the other prong has been building a kind of a scalable foundation uh, because no matter which segments we have success in today or in the future, there are certain things that we need to make sure that we have as our foundation. And that includes getting our branding going or different types of communications from our messaging positioning for different segments to creating a scalable content marketing function um, and many other similar kind of processes that are necessities to any type of growth. So just having that two-pronged approach, loads of experiments and some of the more longer-term things that we need to make sure we have. That absolutely makes sense. Um, so sort of thinking about that, do you have... Um, have you come across any mistakes or misconceptions that you think hold people back when they're trying to grow their business? I'm sure with a startup, um, you can come across lots of different ways that things can go wrong um, and looking to improve and develop. Yeah, I think it just depends what stage of the company uh, we're, we're talking about for this specific um, topic. In small organizations, the mistakes or misconceptions usually are doing too many experiments, um, not necessarily being spread too thin, even though that is quite uh, quite common, uh, but just doing too many experiments and not tracking them properly because that way you don't really identify where you're getting traction or growth from. Um, and again, also not setting up some of those foundational stuff that we talked about. Again, just concentrating on um, short-term tactical wins is not necessarily gonna make for a scalable growth strategy. Um, so usually the mistakes are around that, especially young startups, they find success and they grow really quickly from say C to series A, um, using some of those tactics. However, once it dries up and they potentially need to go up, up market, um, or slightly pivot or, um, end up maybe just having one or two very, very big cash cows, but they have an issue with scalability across multiple customers mm. that haven't built those foundations to actually, grow um and build on um and that's where they start to scramble looking for new tactics that now works for their for that stage of growth uh, so just having the awareness that that's going to change and just having those foundations built from an earlier stage so you don't have to just place loads of different bets all the time i think is the most common mistake i've, I've, I've witnessed or actually experienced myself being in those young startups yeah, absolutely. So sort of looking to the future, making sure that you're setting those foundations to to grow with you makes sense. Um, so you touched on it a little bit in the previous question. So how can you um, can you explain the importance of segmentation in creating growth strategies? Um, the importance of it, I think, especially in the B2B world is. Uh, is I can't emphasize enough how important it is. That's why <laughs> yeah. I'm a little bit speechless. It's, it's, and it's one of my favorite parts of marketing or actually joining a new company just because segmenting correctly means really, really understanding your niche, uh, really understanding the different personas that you're selling to, what their pains are and how you can alleviate those pains with your products or services. Um, and going through the stage um, and making sure that you understand it's not static. As the market changes, you probably need to revisit this quite often more often than you think, or at least iterate on as you're growing. 
um, is is super super important. Just because if you don't have that right, you don't have the right mes- messaging, you don't have the right positioning, and you're basically just spraying, praying, see what sticks. Um, so, getting segmentation right and making sure that you continuously revisit it, I think, is the most important part of any type of growth strategy or business strategy as a whole. Yeah, absolutely. Having that data to actually inform your decisions super important. Um, so how do you work with departments across the company to create growth strategies? Um, I think it differs from company to company, organization to organization, but the main thing that's always quite common uh, that I think needs to be done to work with other departments is having some overlap when it comes to OKRs or North Stars. Mm-hmm. Um, I've worked in organizations where, because growth works with so many different teams, because you need to move the needle from uh, from account management to expand within existing clients, to working with products to make sure that your services are being um, ever more stickier, uh, to working with customer success to make sure you have good retention, uh, working with the rest of the marketing team for acquisition, et cetera. Um, because it touches on so many different teams, making sure that you have some common understanding and some common overlap when it comes to your North Star is really, really important because otherwise people have different vested interests. So it makes collaboration really, really difficult because everyone just wants to hit their goals and their team goals before they hit yours. Um, So organizations that from top down understand the need for that and make sure that your strategy includes those overlaps usually sets for a good collaborative uh, kind of environment, which leads to growth. And where I've seen the most amount of friction is where certain startups, the leaders would say, we have a flat hierarchy, so I'm not going to you know, dictate how you should work with other teams. You guys need to figure out yourself. That's where things fall apart, just because people start becoming a lot more focused around their immediate day-to-day, month-to-month, quarter-to-quarter, quarter-to-quarter work and goals rather than what makes everyone unite and work better together. It sounds like the growth team is kind of the glue that holds everyone together. As you say, sort of everyone has their own targets that they're reaching for. So having someone who can sort of tie those ideas together and make sure you're all, you might be working towards your own goals, but sort of facing in the same direction at least. I totally agree apart from the word glue. Um, <laughs> I, th- I, th- I think it's, it's, it's the opposite. It's, it's, it's not... The saying is the glue that holds it together insinuates that everyone gathers around the growth team, but it's the opposite. It's the growth team running around asking other people, can I play with you? <laughs> um, and, 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 and try to incorporate different parts of the ideas into other teams. Um, so yes, it's, it's right in terms of a kind of a visual analogy, but in terms of how the processes work, it's always uh, the growth team knocking on other people's doors rather than them knocking on yours. Yeah, sort of one of those ideas that sort of people might think is a little bit easier to be part of the growth team than it really is. Yeah, definitely. So um, when you're sort of um, working with different departments to try to find that one direction that you're working towards, um, who, which department, is there a department that you found is the most crucial to driving growth? Which department sort of do you work with more often or more closely? Uh, just being a marketing person, I would love to say it's marketing, but it's not necessarily always true. It really does depend on the product or service. Um, you get certain SaaS companies, for instance, that are fully automated. They're completely self-service and they don't have any human touch. So that means no salesperson, potentially sometimes no account management, no handholding, no nothing. And that means that there are much more product-led organizations. So a lot of the growth 
tactics and growth implementations that you want to put in place has to be done through products. So they become a more of a, uh, more crucial to growth, um, not the most important, but the, the most crucial team to growth. Um, certain other organizations, especially when you start selling to enterprise, become a lot more um, kind of human-led sales, uh, where you have your BDRs to PDMs to account execs, account managers, et cetera. You have to have this conveyor belt of kind of handholding with customers to onboard them, et cetera. You may say they become the most important part of growth because if that specific cog fails, then most of it fails. Um, so it really, really does depend on the company, the product, and the people they're selling to. Um, yeah, I think that makes sense. And I guess that leads into my next question, which was sort of seeing those different ways that companies sort of drive their own growth. Um, which growth engine would you say is the most effective? We've obviously sort of, you've mentioned customer-led growth, marketing-led growth, product-led growth. Is there one that you found sort of more successful or easier to work with? Um, in terms of most successful, it's completely varied. Again, it goes back to what you're selling and who you're selling it to and how they would like to consume that product. Um, however, what I would prefer myself, I'm a bit of a generalist. Um, so especially at a young stage organization, I like to map out how we can move the needle across different departments, um, to create this kind of robust holistic solution. It doesn't always work out in reality because one always starts to become a bit more involved or important. Yeah. Um, and that could be a really good strategy trying to find out earlier on uh, to see if you need to be product-led or you need to be marketing-led or you need to be sales-led. Identifying that quite early and doubling down on it, um, I think is a really, really good vantage point, uh, especially when you look at some of your competitors. And a lot of times, sometimes it, it might be, if, if you're in a very competitive landscape, finding an unorthodox way to actually provide your services uh, could be something very interesting. Yeah. Um, a very cheesy example, which I'm, which I'm sure you've heard a million times, would be something like Blockbuster versus Netflix providing a similar service through a different mean. Um, thinking about it that way is quite interesting as well. Yeah, so sort of using that information to find your own niche, find the gap in the market. Definitely, yeah. Perfect. So um, what are some of the biggest problems that you faced in trying to increase growth? Obviously, you've touched on um, sort of mistakes and misconceptions, but I don't know if you can give us any examples that you've come across yourself. Oh, so many. Um, <laughs> it depends, again, on the size of the organization. Um, so usually smaller organizations sometimes potentially lack that North Star, which I talked about, which needs to come from the top to allow for a smooth collaboration between different teams. And that's usually been a massive yeah. hurdle at some of those smaller organizations that didn't realize the need to kind of make sure those teams gel together but they have overlapping agendas. Uh, for large organizations, I've worked at um, the biggest challenges facing growth has been potentially just red tape, just which, which, which is which is quite common. Uh, too many processes in place and not being able to be nimble enough to roll out certain campaigns or certain tactics because you need to have buy-in from the branding team. You need to have buy-in from the performance team. You need to have buy-in from the product team. And then the product team would say, no, we're working on this other thing, which is going to overlap with this. So we cannot give you any support for some time. And then yeah. everything falls apart. Um, and I guess that could be also alleviated 
through better higher up management in terms of where we focus our energy um Mm -hmm. but all in all it's kind of i think the common denominator is not being able to work collaboratively with multiple teams yeah smaller companies for different reasons bigger companies for different reasons yeah so it's obviously sort of already covered that topic of how important it is to be able to communicate with teams as you say tied together to a common goal um so how do your approaches to growth differ when starting when working with a startup versus a more established company so obviously you've you've mentioned that it kind of the attitudes change differently and you have come up with different problems when you're trying to collaborate but how have you sort of addressed that difference um so with younger startups i think the main difference is um, obviously budget so younger younger companies less budget bigger companies bigger budget um I would say resources and knowledge, but that's not always true, depending on what stage the larger organization is in. They might be going through a relatively pivotal stage. So most of the resources or knowledge that was available to them previously about their market or the customers might become redundant quite quickly. Yeah. Uh, but the main thing that differs between them is, is, is budget. So with having smaller budgets, um, obviously you gotta be a bit scrappier um, and just a little bit more creative in terms of how you go about certain activities, starting from segmentation, for instance. So for instance, at PaperCup, we've been doing a lot of uh, manual research, setting up different meetings with different people we think that fit our target market, just to pick their brain um, and just doing uh, qualitative research. Once we gathered a bunch of insights, then again, internally, we would run some quantitative research, doing surveys, uh, using tools like a test, for instance, uh, to get back data points that validate some of the hypotheses that we identified to begin with. And this has been, I don't know, a six-month project I've been doing on the side whilst doing everything else, which I absolutely adore doing. Um, with the bigger budgets, you can outsource it and it can get done for you. And then you get this massive report, which you can, again, pick out the insights and start using it to feed your position and, and messaging. So that's how it usually differs. Um, however, the beauty of smaller budget and being a smaller company is um, you can turn things around a lot quicker where with large organizations, longer approval processes, again, more difficulties in terms of collaborating with different teams. Um, so it can slow things down. So yeah, budget's the main difference and just utilizing what your strengths are at that stage of the organization, be it speed, nimbleness versus budgets. Um, that's how usually you can make the most of it. Absolutely. That definitely makes sense. Um, so you sort of mentioned a little bit there how to sort of measure your stage of growth and how to how to keep track of that. So what would you say are the best ways to measure growth in a SaaS business? Again, it's different horses for courses. Um I think more than anything else, what differs between different SaaS businesses is the stage they're at. So if it's a younger organization, then traction is really important uh, to make sure you build that momentum. And number one, you identify your early adopters and make sure you get them on board and make them advocates. But then crossing the chasm to get into the mainstream, that's, that's your main challenge. So you try to build as much momentum there. So when it comes to measuring your growth, initially, you're just looking at uptake. Um, depending on your business model, you may be looking at revenue uh, or customer adoption um, before you start looking at profitability. Later stage at the business, 
especially if you have uh, more institutional shareholders, um, you have to show some level of profitability or route to profitability. So the stuff that you start measuring becomes a little bit more stringent, you know, and that's when you start looking at uh, CAC and ROAS and all that kind of good stuff, just to make sure that any kind of spend that you have, any kind of expenditure, any kind of headcount is providing the right level of return uh, so your shareholders are happy. Um, so it just really does depend what stage you're at and what to, what kind of a SaaS business you really have. Yeah. You have completely manual SaaS businesses that sell to enterprise and you have, um, you know, four, five, six figure annual contracts versus, um, you know, very um, self-service, relatively uh, down the stream, as they say, SaaS business, which really, really cares about adoption at first, but then turning freemium to paid customers. So it just really, really depends. Yeah, that totally makes sense. And um, I'm going to take this point to subtly plug our previous event. So um, by the time this podcast comes out, Amir will also have spoken at the SAS Metrics Summit. So if you want to hear a little bit more about that and hear him go into a bit more detail, you can catch that there on our website. Um, so for our final question, um, what are your tips for new growth managers? So we're going to end on sort of how are you, how would you advise anyone who's moving into growth or perhaps is moving up in their career? Um, I kind of potentially got inherited. Um, I'm not sure if inherited is the right word, mm-hmm. but I got given the growth title um, relatively organically. I wasn't, I wasn't seeking it. Um, I started, as I mentioned, as a marketing generalist, um, just being a jack of all trades eventually moved down towards focusing on inbound demand gen and demand gen translated to growth to a certain degree. Um, and the point I'm trying to make across there is it doesn't matter kind of what route you're taking to get there. I think what's really important is number one, making sure you have a really good understanding of all different parts of the business and all different um, parts of marketing. Uh, I was going to say arts, but that sounded a bit too cheesy. <laughs> uh, going from branding to research to product marketing to performance marketing, because for anyone that's looking to move into a growth role, it's all about identifying what kind of levers you can pull and you can utilize to achieve growth. And growth could mean multiple different things depending on the company and the role itself. Usually growth is holistic, um, especially at, for me at Paper Cup anyway. Um, so I'm working with some clients directly to help them grow because by them growing, they'll help us grow. Yeah. Um, but I'm also looking at um, acquisition. I'm looking at segmentation. I'm looking at multiple different areas, which would ultimately lead to the company's growth. Um, so having a really good finger on the pulse of different disciplines of marketing, different departments and how they function and what they care about is really, really important. Yeah. And all of this could be wrapped up into having a good understanding of business strategy. And that's something that I had missed before because I kind of fell into marketing and being a jack of all trades. Um, I started to be experimental with loads of different areas of marketing and growth uh, without realizing how it all fit together. Right. And then later on in the last few years, doing some additional um, education courses, reading, um, doing Mark Risson's mini MBA, for instance, which I highly recommend, really allowed me to understand how all of these different tactics and disciplines can come together to form strategy. Uh, so I highly recommend um, 
everyone who's looking into growth to read Good Strategy, Bad Strategy by Richard Rommelt. It's basically a book that talks about multiple different case studies on how you can pull different levers, use different disciplines, and bring in different parts of the organization and different tactics to form your strategy. Um, no two strategies ever the same for different kind of companies. And understanding how to put a good strategy together, I think is really important for anyone that is looking to move to growth because getting into growth is all about putting the right levers, using the right disciplines and the right tactics to gain traction or growth, depending on what growth means to you. And um, those resources, I think, are really, really important. Thank you so much for that. It's really helpful. And I think um, for people listening, it's going to be um, really good inspiration for them. So thank you very much for covering that today. Um, and yeah, it was lovely to speak to you. Thanks so much for having me. It was a pleasure. <laughs>